Hi guys, welcome to Connect with Christina. And we have a special guest today, Heather Lay, a beautiful model and entrepreneur and so much more. Please say hello. What's up everybody? <laughs> excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to our discussion today. I'm excited to share your story with everyone because you are more than just what you look like. You're more than just a beautiful face. So... Tell everyone your, I think it's a beautiful story. Though it's, you know, struggles, painful, but look at you now. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think, you know, when social media kind of first came up, right, that's kind of where everybody started to collect their friends in the community, and you kind of get to, you know, get to know about a little bit of everybody, what the, what they share. So mostly what I was sharing on social media was when I started modeling um, so that's kind of what everybody knows me for, from my pictures and my photo shoots. Um, but the reason why I even did modeling was because of how kind of my life unfolded in the very beginning. So just to kind of kick it off, um, you know, my, my family background, I grew up kind of in Mesa, kind of middle class. My dad Let's was go a, Mesa. You're right. Uh, he, was a, he was an engineer, an Apache helicopter engineer for Boeing. And, you know, my mom kind of was a caretaker of all of us kids. I'm actually the youngest of six kids. Um, but she had, a, you know, some mental health issues and some physical health issues with her back and her knees. But my life really kind of changed when she was diagnosed with cancer when I was in sixth grade. Uh, she had ovarian cancer, and then she had to go through chemo and that whole process. And what kind of changed us forever was when the cancer came back. And that was when I was probably in about eighth grade. Um, and unfortunately for her, right, majority of the kids were out of the house. It was just basically me and my sister living, and I was at four, I was 14 years old at the time. And, you know, I'm like a teenager. I want to have fun with my friends, and my mom knew that, you know, she wasn't going to be able to take care of me. My dad probably worked like 80 to 100 hours a week. He was just busy working. Um, so the decision ended up being through her therapist, that I should go to a children's home because she couldn't take care of me. And that's when a home in Mesa, uh, it's called Sunshine Acre Children's Home, kind of became like a haven for me in a way. And it was almost like a new adventure because so much of my childhood was, you know, very, not to say clouded, but it was. It, it, I was really living, you know, with, with, I, my mom, because of her mental health and her illnesses, there was really no space for me and my sisters. It was always very much around her. So at 14, I felt like I hadn't even understood or identified who I was, what I was passionate about, what I wanted to go after. So when the decision came through and eventually I moved to the home, I actually lived there for about two and a half to three years. Um, and it was probably just the most diverse experience of my life. There's actually 70 kids that live at the home. It's like a very... How many? 70 kids. And they kind of break down the home structure of there's like 10 kids in each dorm. And obviously it's divided by age and then it's divided by sex. So I basically lived with kids, you know, 70 different kids from ages like I think it was 6 to 18 so, and from all different backgrounds. So I, I'm a very personal person. Uh, I had the best experiences there, but you know, what happened was eventually my mom 
passed away while I was at the home. And it, it took me, you know, because she had been on experimental treatments for so long that one day she just was like, is it bad that I don't want to do it anymore? And then basically she made the decision that she was just going to stop doing chemo. And we thought maybe we had a year. And then within a couple weekends, you know, within a month, she passed away. And so it was very quick. And I, you know, being at the home, I felt very, you know, separate from her and, you know, maybe her thought processes to get her to the point to make such a, a big decision. But ultimately, I mean, for her, that's the decision she wanted to make. So, How old were you again, Heather? When she, when so by mom? that time, I was 17 when she passed away. And then, you know, eventually I came home. I was old enough to where my dad wouldn't have to watch me. So, you know, that's kind of when I really started to question what is my life? Because, you know, I live so much in the home excited to see my mom, you know, the day that I could come home and spend time with her and have that, you know, mom time. And I never got to have it. And so I really was, you know, I lived my entire life waiting for that mother-daughter moment. And I came home to an empty house because my dad was still working, nothing against him. But ultimately, I, I had a big hole in my life. And so that's actually when I had through some people pushing me, for uh, modeling to do it. And obviously I was so insecure because I had built nothing within myself. I'd accomplished nothing for me to say, I can do it. I was, it was more of everybody was kind of, which is almost like the story, like the, the storyline of my life. I feel like I wouldn't be anywhere where I'm at without every single person that I've come into contact with, whether it was for a few minutes or whether it was for the few hours or, you know, the, the months that I lived with somebody, every single person really shapes and you. Not to interrupt you, but Justin, can you put up Sunshine Acres up here? I want to shout, shout them out because obviously they change lives and you're here today with their help. Really? Yeah. We donate to them too. So Sunshine Acres is awesome. They're so amazing. We'll put their info yeah. up here for you. And so, so after this podcast, I want to talk to you about a couple ideas that I have with them because they've actually, I have five projects with them that they're having my LLC work with them on. And so mm -hmm. there's some fashion charity stuff that we'll, we'll get into anyways. Um, but no, they really did. And, and honestly, Kevin, so going back to where we were, um, which what was the last thing I said? Oh, oh yeah, I said I said that every person super every person is super important in my life. Yeah. So so <laughs> uh so basically, you know, that's why I'm a big proponent on being just a very open person in general because, you know, I'm not a I'm not a walled off person. I think everybody does the best that they can with the knowledge that they have, and I think that, you know, don't shut off your love and your kindness and your gift uh, to people just because maybe they can't necessarily receive it because you never know down the road when they're at the bottom of their life and they're looking at what's the point, what's the purpose, they'll remember your kind words. I remember every single moment that somebody built into me. Um, I have some incredible people in my life now, but I mean, I really do hold on to those kind words and it is a beautiful gift and I never like to withhold or, you know, be that person where can't touch my energy. I'm like, you can have some, but I'm healthy enough to where I have boundaries. And, and when I realize that it's, you know, not kind of a yin and yang, I'm not giving to you, you're not giving to me, then, you know, I'll, I'll kind of cut the ties and, and maybe we'll circle back around in life together when we can kind of mold both be mutually in a good position for that, whatever the case is, right? 
So anyway, so definitely didn't want to do modeling, super insecure. Now I feel like my look is in, but at the time when I was first started modeling, you had to be like 5'10", super skinny. And so a lot of the agencies actually didn't want me. I tried to go to, I won't shout them out, but, but I tried to go to these different ones and I just wasn't their type. Right. And they were like, we're sending everybody to New York and you know, I just don't meet the, the numbers on paper of what it had to be. Cause it really was like the numbers are there. And if they sent me with wrong numbers, then that makes them look bad because I, you literally get measured when you go there and, and they make sure, you know, for, for the sake of their clients, which I respect. Um, so anyway, so I'm, I'm doing, you know, freelance modeling. I can't take it super seriously cause I'm not signed with an agency, but then I kind of had a, a moment where somehow, some way I had a person come in my life and they basically decided to say, um, I'm going to manage you and I'm going to give you these opportunities and we're going to push you in any way that we can. And so that's when I started to get some more serious work. And then ultimately, it led me. And you got to travel, right? Yeah. So that's to that's Europe. when I feel like I really knew. I was like, wow, like I'm doing this, you know. And and obviously I had so many issues because you know I'm depressed. I'm grieving my mom still, and just you know all of this processing what's happened to me thus far. So I, you know, I was growing emotionally and trying to cope on things, and and I was so terrified to go to Greece because I had no support, no friends, and it was a big decision. So I eventually I made the decision to leave my job and that's when I went to Greece for two and a half months. And when I thought that the drama in my life wouldn't, you know, was going to take a turn for the better, I had this really interesting moment that I've actually had a conversation with publicly um, with Nick, you know, Nick uh, White on uh, the side of Mayo show. He actually, I just one day, I think I was like literally at like Olive and Ivy having a glass of wine and it was the topic around human trafficking that became such a, a relevant um, thing for us to understand. And that's when I was like, I need to share this. So um, basically what happened was I, you know, went to Greece. Greece is actually known for being one of the biggest places for human trafficking. And, you know, I went to, I lived in a model apartment and I lived with probably six other girls and the whole building is basically like a spiral staircase. So the first floor, there's like four girls in a room. That was my room. Second floor, it's the modeling agency where we would go up and talk to them before castings or they would have other models come in and they would, you know, try and be a part of the agency, their own agency castings, essentially. And then there was one more floor up at the very top. And then that's where there were three other girls. So I had been there for two and a half months. And and I'll just go straight to the moment that everything happened. I'm walking up with another girl. And we had to walk everywhere. So we'd been walking probably like 15 miles that day. I'm not even kidding. Oh just tired. And not only that, we, you had to get your groceries and your water bottles. So we were just exhausted. We walk up. And this is what is so the mystery and of life. How old were you? This is I was 21. Okay. Yeah. So we're flash forwarding to Heather modeling at 21, essentially in Greece. And I walk up and this is just, you know, the mystery of life. I don't know why this happened the way that it does, but literally as we're walking up, this guy in a black trench coat, black hat, has a black bag, um, was literally buzzed in as soon as we walked up. And now in retrospect, I realized that one of the girls probably thought it was just one of us because only we were at the model apartment after like 5 p.m. And this was probably 
sometime around 6 p.m., right? It wasn't too late. It was kind of early enough to where it's not anything too weird if somebody came over. He looked basically like a doctor, like an at-home care doctor. It's Greece. I don't know. I, I haven't been familiar with how they handle that. And I thought maybe he was there for one of the other girls. So as we walk up, there's just immediately you could feel this weird energy. And so I'm walking up and he goes, do you speak Greek? And I said, no, I don't. And he just steps away, lets me and the other girl walk in behind him. And you, I could just feel there was something just so just not good about this. So I don't know if it was because I was tired or irritated, but I immediately just like a lion flip around. Well, women are gifted with intuition. And intuition. And I, you're not supposed to ignore those. And, and because I'm of that, so me being on the first floor, I could feel it. I turn around so just like a lion. Like that's how I picture it, just like a lion. Can I help you? Just waiting for why this leeching energy is behind me. And that's when he didn't say anything. He just stared at me in shock, basically. And I said, well, if you need the other girls, they're upstairs. I don't think we have anything to help you with. So then we go inside of our model apartment, we close the door and we just freeze because we realize something else is going on. Well, then all of a sudden we hear a knock at the door upstairs and all of a sudden one of the girls is screaming at the top of her lungs, who are you? I don't know you, right? And then and we basically we hear him go to the second floor, start banging on the agency where no one's there, right? Because after hours... Then he comes down, banging on our door at the bottom, trying to trying to get in, going back up. He does this a few times, and then we hear Scary. the front door close, and we don't know if he's faking it and going to... You never know, but we just ran out, all ran upstairs. There's literally seven of us girls screaming at the top of our lungs because there's a balcony, and we're watching this guy walk across the street like nothing happened. Our neighbors, because this was in a, in a housing area, our neighbors are freaked out. They've never had this experience happen before. And I call my dad and he's like, you need to leave. You need to leave. They, they're they literally staking out this model apartment because in human trafficking, models, especially gorgeous blonde models, are so expensive. So these human traffickers are strategically looking for these model apartments to take these. It's literally like taken, like taken when they're all up on the guys that are paying for them. That's real. And so for them, we're like the most we're, we're the most expensive stakeout for them potentially. Right. Because they found an area or an organization that brings in models. And so then if they follow that subtly, you know, slowly take one here, take one there. You know, they're, it's it's funneling their business and, and it's valuable enough for them to go after that. Because when I, you know, I was afraid that night that I was going to get taken, no joke. Um, but um, I next day tried to communicate what happened with the agency. Their cameras didn't work, so they couldn't validate what even happened. They actually accused us oh, of wow. lying. And then even that night, I tried to call the Greek police. It's not like here where you call them and they just, like, show up. It, it just, nothing happened. And so then well, I... just being in a whole completely different... Yeah, and country, it's an international affair. I mean, it's like, I'm from the U.S. There were girls from Holland, girls from Poland, girls from Croatia, Germany. So we're a melting pot of all agencies. And I think, again, liability-wise, they probably didn't want to create too much um, of an issue. But ultimately, after I left the airport that next morning when I realized they didn't believe me, there were actually guys 
around, scattered around the apartment as these girls or as they were going to the train to go to a casting because we walked by ourselves. We walked from the model apartment to the train, sometimes in groups, sometimes by ourselves, sometimes late at night, sometimes really early in the morning. And they start to say, hey, you live here? Are you a model? Do you live here? These guys have never been there before, just kind of staking out, trying to see. That's so frightening. Yeah. So that's when I, so, so that's what the girls were telling me when I was at the airport. But I mean, I was supposed to go to Thailand a couple months later. I was supposed to go to Spain. And the whole reason why I did modeling was because I knew that, you know, I wanted to be the girl that I didn't have to look up to. It, I mean, it's really hard to live in a children's home, have your mom pass away, try and explain the family dynamic as to maybe why my siblings or my dad couldn't take care of me. Like there was really no one doing that because of how how traumatic how much that limits you just so much out of your control as a child like there was no one to look forward to there was no one that had my same story um or even close to it to where I could kind of be like wow I can really overcome this trauma this depression this PTSD you know all of those symptoms that happen with mental health so I want to kind of ask you about that for you to share that that how do you overcome you've gone through a lot and and you are here now, and yeah. you're thriving. So I, I want to sh- have you share some of your, you know, I guess remedies or things that you do that you want to share to other people that are going through what you're going through now. You know, what are some of your life hacks, or what can you tell them? I think that you know, I if you're in a really bad spot right now, and you're listening to Heather. I think that, you know. I'm so lucky that I got to go through the children's home at that time in my life because, you know, the kids that were there were kids that went through foster care, went through much worse than I did. And what they really instilled in me is that we all need each other and we all can help each other even just by listening, by love. So to be honest, and I had another client I worked with one day and her phrase was, it takes a village. I'm not here without every single person in my life. What I think hindered me is the times where I overlooked when people were using me, using my story, using my kindness, you know, because when you go through something so traumatic, you actually, I mean, you can go either way, but usually you're a more empathetic person. You're kinder, you're more loving. And I found that, you know, I always had the power always to do the things that I wanted to do. But when I veered off and allowed people to take advantage of me, that's when I started to not be able to do all the things that I could do because my I was so wrapped up then in that um, they, they call it gaslighting, right? When they're trying to tell you your reality isn't what it is or invalidate your feelings, I became then confused and you know should I do this? Am I right? I am bad. You know I'm doing something wrong, right? That's what really hindered me the most in life. So <clears throat> as much as I'm going to say, what are my remedies? I mean, the remedies yeah, are whatever, whatever, whatever the remedy is, whether you like to meditate, whether you like to paint, whether you like to write, it's what you genuinely like to do. And I think that what was my initial remedy was finding something that I like to do, which was modeling. So I had that kind of passion that I could create. You have to create, you have to do something outside of yourself to, for then for it to look back at you and mirror yourself. Like you have to find that one passion project, inspiration, that one thing that you like to do and build it. 
Because then as you're growing that, you're actually kind of healing yourself. And I think that's the most important thing is one, find that passion. That's literally how I feel like I broke. You know, I didn't have a mom. I didn't have a way for me to say, this is who I am as a woman. I knew I was lacking that. And I found something to help kind of shape that whole. So that was the first thing. Second thing is that I had to build the right people around me, the right community, the right influential I people. Think that's big. I think that's, you know, yourself, find something you can go for. Cause then when you build the right community, they'll kind of help give you insight, but ultimately you're still making a decision. And the third thing is really identifying what manipulation is right with people and and then and, and try and uh, set boundaries away so you don't become a victim of being abused, whether that's people, you know, for especially for a lot of kids that go through abuse as a child, they likely become the abusers or they get the abuse. And I think that that people who are most vulnerable to that are ones that have gone through hardships because, you know, their childhood, kind. it's nature over nurture. And so I think that because of that, you have to know what you're vulnerable to. So finding your passion creating your community and being aware of things that you're going to have pitfalls on or that you're going to be susceptible to. And then it goes kind of bounces you back when you have the right community. They'll, they'll support you. You didn't know. It's okay. We know who you are and, and, and pour back into you. Cause you, you, a lot of people are very much like they like to isolate themselves and they like to, you know, kind of, you know, I'm doing my hard work all me all in can't trust nobody like that culture. It's, it, it will be their downfall. It, it, it's going to create their issues mentally that are going to hinder them in life. And I think, you know, everybody's on their own path and on their own cycle. People that maybe I didn't get along with in the beginning, now I'm really great friends with. So that's why I said you kind of always have to, when someone enters your life, have no, um, you know, have no forethought open for sure have yeah have no forethought or intention of how can I get something what are they going to give me what can I give to them like you kind of have to remain open because somehow it's always those people that you like don't like or you're like oh they just irritate me then they come back in your life and then they're like someone who like totally changed your situation so you have to be really open and create space we're all always going yeah and that's what I'm saying with everybody's in their own cycle everyone's in their own journey so I hate the people that I don't hate I don't like that word ever (laughs) I I I I am not a an advocate for people that like to call out other people in the sense where it's not productive where they just like to oh they're this way that's bad put them in a yeah, the behavior is the call out. We all have to hold each other accountable. But the ones that are like, oh, that person does this, that's who they are. That's one of the most toxic things you can do is but add a label. Plus, if you're on the receiving end of that, you're just going along and welcoming the conversation. You're also yeah. at fault because yeah. you're supposed to cut that off and be like, person's not here. They can't defend themselves. Right. No. Well, because then that's, that's the gossip. Then that's yeah. that's when you know people build into... You know, I mean, because the home that I grew up at, it was, a, it was a Christian home. And for people who are religious, Christian, Catholic, whatever, people get very gossipy about, well, I'm doing this. And, you know, they get they get I'm better than them or, oh, they look like they're doing bad this way. And it becomes like a very toxic culture. I think because like we were saying, people go through that cycle and we're all all we always still grow no matter what age. That there, I think it also comes with age where you realize you're like, no, that's not being a good person. Because I went through it, you know, being a better person. Yeah, 
Yeah. Because, I mean, we've all gone through those cycles where we, we did that and we grew out of it, you know, so even ourselves. Well, I'm super proud of you, and I want, you know, anyone that's watching this to really follow you. But before I tell them how to follow you, where to find you, will you look at the camera and talk to Heather, another Heather out there who's 17, who's in a group home, who maybe lost her mom, her dad, and in a dark place, and tell them how to get out. Hello, the Heathers of the world. And um, as I say, not even just the Heathers. It's for guys to whoever you are. You're not crazy. And I'm, I'm going to like tear up saying this. <laughs> you, you asked me to confront my inner child, and I'm going to right now. Um, you're not crazy. You're beautiful. You're special. You're wonderful. Be patient with yourself. Find and really collect those small moments and enjoyment of what you really find to be special because you're going to build that out in your life and it's going to help change you forever. And take care of yourself. Have, you know, patience for people, but ultimately find your people. Find the ones that make you feel energized after seeing them. Be wary of the people that make you feel bad about yourself because you are a good person and you are kind and you are loving and you are you have something special about you. And what makes you happy, don't base it on what you see everybody else doing because most of the time it's going to evolve and it maybe isn't even going to match what everybody else thought you would do or what everybody else is doing. But what I'm doing now, I had no idea that I thought I could even be capable of doing and I've literally started my own company that I'm going to make the impact that I've always known I was going to make and I've just put up with a lot of stuff to get me to this point but no matter what that's why I'm saying listen to your vision listen to your passion follow your people and you will literally maybe not sitting on this couch but metaphorically you will be here so I love you and hello you look great today <laughs> now how can everyone follow leather i mean heather lay yeah so i i um i'm building out some things i'm finishing up some um things with my business but you can follow me at heather lay my last name is spelled l-e-i-h there is no g um <laughs> or you can follow lay llc and um, Lay LLC, I'm going to be sharing the specific projects that I'm working on. I have about six going on right now. So if you're interested in my projects, that's all going to be siloed to Lay LLC. Um, but if you want to follow me and my funny memes and my great taste of music and, and all of me. <laughs> and dance moves. Yeah, yeah. And all, and all my, my fun Heather personality quirks. Um, that's Heather Lay. Um, just Heather Lay. No one has the last name. Yeah, L-E-I-H. Yep. <laughs> Everyone, you know, gotta cut that. I'm like, so all the young women out there can relate to Heather. Remember, there's always hope, and here's your example. So, Heather, my dear friend, thank you for being here at Connect with Christina, aka at Cloud God AZ. <laughs> Brand new bands, never